0: this is the Kibasa King sports extravaganza. Hey hey hey, Yakshamash.
1: Club to you too over there. You don't know, really I love your style. I love the way you edit things together. Well thanks for noticing it's a real pain. <laughs> <laughs>
0: We welcome to the show Christian Leitner.
1: Yeah, I'm proud of my heritage. And my mother used
2: to make a lot of delicious meals: kapusta, zombki, poloi, all that good stuff. I put sour cream on everything, and um, so <laughs> a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of a lot of Polish tradition there.
0: Yak Shamash, everybody, welcome to another edition of the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza. Of course, brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter, and make sure you guys go to Bucky's Fifth Quarter com for all your Wisconsin Badgers news, notes, discussion, and we got a fun show lined up for you coming up at about nine minutes from now. We got BadgerNation.com's Ben Wargle talking Packers, not backers, talking Badgers, talking Hawaii, and talking about a major recruiting. Wh- weekend, but that's really due to the... I mean, uh, obviously, the Hawaii is not necessarily the biggest name uh, the Badgers will face on that schedule of 2015, but it is underneath the lights of Camp Randall Stadium, so we will uh, we will talk about that and, and which recruits who, who possibly could be on commit watch. Uh, we'll talk about that, and uh, yeah, no. It's uh, been a busy week. We got the Polish Rifle Scott Wisniewski here. I am Jay Kokorowski, and uh it's been uh it's been a crazy week uh before we before we have Ben on Scotty what's been going on with you obviously I know you're packing for for a nice little trip down to Florida uh, and I'm
1: jealous. y uh, You know it's not all it's correct to be. I am glad to be going on vacation. I will say that. I am glad to be going to my timeshare that I hadn't had a chance to go to last year even though we paid for it. We money's a little tight the family's going down so we're going to probably do nothing but like hang out at the beach and at the pool but you know what to me that's all it takes That's all i need I, I will be doing a little bit of work for my day job on vacation but for the most part just hanging out in the water i think that's that's my goal
0: very nice very nice guy cool what the temperatures are going to be probably upper uh, upper 80s low 90s yeah you know
1: they're saying 80s and every day has a 50% chance of rain but Oftentimes, those showers are in and out, so I, I guess we'll have a better idea once we get down there Saturday in Daytona. I do expect a little bit of rain every day, but as long as it's not like you know, complete washouts, hey, eh, I can live with that. So,
0: absolutely, absolutely. And, uh, you know, before see, we'll get to, uh, let me let me ask you what, what do you want to start off with? Obviously, we got about seven minutes before Ben comes on. Uh should we talk Packers a little later? Do you want to talk a little bit of Badgers before we uh before we head in uh, you know, before we talk?
1: Well, I'll tell you what, we got Ben coming up and then we're gonna talk Packers, so I don't want to get started on Packers and stop and and uh you, there are some interesting things about the Badger game, um, like for example, the fact that they scored twenty-eight points, but only twenty-eight points I should say, but had four hundred some yards. But while why don't we have a chance? I just want to throw a few baseball nuggets out there. I know it's not how you typically open a show, but because of the way the show is positioned and set up for today. Seven minutes, we could talk to baseball. So I wanted to talk about, A, the Brewers with a new general manager and what your thoughts were on that. B, the Ryan Braun back surgery that's going to happen in the offseason. Uh, ironically, the offseason before his $21 million uh, annual salary kicks in. Um, And then maybe any of the pennant races, obviously the Cubs, Pirates, and Cardinals are three of the top four teams in baseball. They play in the same division. doesn't bode well for the future for the Brewers, who are in rebuilding mode and have uh, three behemoths that they're going to have to jump over. So I don't know. Any of those topics strike your fans. Let's talk about the GM. I mean, the baseball is going young. They're looking at guys like Theo Epstein and younger and going after uh, those type of players. I'm sorry. Those type of general managers who kind of understand the new school of statistics and the new breed of baseball, and looking at guys like Doug Melvin as a fossil, so to speak. Although I, I think that might be a little bit, uh, a little bit rough. But I mean, that's kind of how things have gone. So when you look at what the Brewers are trying to do, and you look at um, bringing in. Um, David Stearns from Houston. Now, if you look at Houston, great farm system. They've developed some great players. How much of that, how much he can take credit for as an assistant GM, I don't know. But he is a young guy, and he kind of fits the bill of the way baseball's going.
0: Yeah, and that's what I'm on. I mean, obviously, yeah, it's kind of the way of the. You're looking at the the young guy. Like you mentioned young guys. Maybe Ivy Lee educated educated more the maybe stats per stats and, and statistics and uh those metric type i don't know i like it i mean it's a kid's younger he's 30 uh which obviously i'm, I'm proud of what i've accomplished in, in my uh, short time on this earth so far but thir- being 30 years old and the general manager of a major league baseball team's a pretty good standing i, I have to say I, i'm I'm impressed by that uh especially with the, yeah. the drive that he has you know so uh, but it goes back to, to, I mean, I like the hire, obviously he's been around, he's been through multiple teams, but, uh, and on top of that though, uh, I think that it's a good fresh face. I think it's the ability to, uh, help rebuild the organization a little bit further, especially in the farm system. Granted, they got some help with some trades recently, uh, in this, during this season that's helped kind of replenish it. But I think... I think it's a good hire. I think it's a good step forward and uh, you know between him and and then what you're seeing with the Bucks and and the the city itself uh, approving the plan for for that. I, you know, I think it's a it's a good week. I think it's a good week for Brewers baseball. I think it's a time for uh I mean, obviously it might, it'll take some time. It's not going to happen overnight for the Brewers with with what they have to deal with, especially like you said Brian Brown becoming the bionic man and the uh, however, million however many million dollar man uh, and having that well, back surgery and, and
1: he's older and he's older than David Stearns. He's thirty one. So, uh, so there's always that. You know, Brewer fans are going to have to be patient though, because if you listen to his press conference, Stearns says you can't build a team through free agency. So he wants to develop young talent. Now he's familiar with the prospects the Brewers acquired in the Carlos Gomez deal because they came from Houston as well. Um, the, there were 44 candidates. The Brewers didn't really reveal who some of the other candidates were. A couple names leaked out. Um, you know, I know Tyrone Brooks and it was one of the guys who leaked out. But, I mean, there were 44 names they considered. They thought he fit the bill. But, again, it's going to be patience because there's three teams in this division. Two of them are young-ish, the Pirates and the Cubs are super young. They're going to be good for a while. Okay. Now, having two wild card teams helps. And maybe in two or three years the brewers can contend for one of those, but it's it's not going to happen overnight. And in this market, you have to... See, this is, what's, this is what hindered the Bucks for a long time. This is what hindered the brewers in the early 2000s and late 90s, is you want to try to stay competitive because you don't want to have a million fans or a million five. You want to keep that fan base. You need to keep that fan base up around 2, 2.5 at the bare minimum, but you don't want to waste money on free agents that'll make you a 78 win team, but you don't want to completely tank and be a 50 win team. So really the problem is for the, for the Brewers, how do they appease the people who want to try to be competitive and the people who want to build for the future? That's not an easy job. And that's, I think the the hardest part of what David Stern's job is going to be in this market.
0: Yeah. And it, and, you know, it's going to be managing those expectations, and obviously Brewers have some great fans, and they're packing the stadium still even during an off year. Uh, I don't know. I, correct me if I'm wrong. How many how many millions have packed Miller Miller Park? Is It has to be over, well, over two, right? It's over two billion?
1: Well, yes, but I'm going to caution you, and I'm going to give you a caveat. A lot of those tickets were sold at the beginning of the season. Sure. And I, I think going into next year, if they play this kind of baseball – you might have a hard time hitting two million. So I, I'm not I'm not trying to da- put a damper on anything. I'm just saying that you have to be careful with those numbers because I've been to my fair share of games. I've been to about 20, 21 games, and there was times where it's reminded me of Old County Stadium, or at least some of the early years at Miller Park when they weren't very good. So I know what you're saying, and this year they're gonna you know have a decent enough. Um, Year at the gate, but some of that you got to temper because of the fact that there are a lot of pre-solds and some of those games have been terrible. Now they're right in the middle of the pack, near the middle of the pack. They've already drawn 2.4 million through their 78 home games. They have three more home games up. And so you figure they're going to end up around 2.5, 2.6 million. That's great for this market. And it puts them right now at 13th. They're out drawing Pittsburgh, who's a playoff team they're out drawing Texas who's a playoff team they're out drawing Minnesota who's contending for a playoff spot um, so that, so that's great i mean but next year i don't think you can count on that and and so again but i i'm telling fans that if they want this team to be sustainable in the long term you have to support the rebuild and you just have to you just have to deal with it man i mean There's going to be some rough years, but you look for the young talent. You hope he can bring in some good young talent. You hope he can make some deals with some other pieces we have, and you hope ultimately that he has a keen eye for talent and 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 can see some things in players that other other players and other GMs haven't been able to recognize.
0: And we'll see how that plays out. And obviously, he'll take over in October and. Uh, we'll play it out from there. We'll see how much uh, Doug Melvin is there. As he said he's going to be a, an advisor. We'll see how, how influential he is, and we'll see how the relationship with him and Craig Council is as well. So, uh, Let me just close uh, this
1: out because I know, I know we got to get to Bennett so we can talk more baseball later in the show if we have time. I will say this, though. The most abysmal, anybody who thought back in the ni- early 90s when they were talking about moving teams to Florida and the Brewers moving to Tampa, baseball is a is a – embarrassment from an attendance standpoint in Florida. Miami, 27. Tampa Bay, dead last. Tampa Bay, who is always a contender. This year, maybe not so much. 15,000 fans a game. So there you have it. Anybody who thought you had to have a team in Florida, I wonder, you know, I'd like to say, see, I told you so, because I was one of the people who thought this would be something that happened. But anyway, I don't want to take up too much of Ben's time, because I'm sure he's patiently waiting to jump on with us.
0: It's true. Guys, we'll come back. BadgerNation.com's Ben Wargle talks with us. Previews Badgers Hawaii talks recruiting. We'll get into that in a little bit. Take a quick break. We'll be right back. Yak Shamash, everybody, welcome back. Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza, of course, brought to you by Bucky's fifth quarter. Make sure you guys go to Bucky's fifth quarter for all your Wisconsin Badgers news, notes, and discussion. And it is going to be the fourth game of the year for the Wisconsin Badgers, number 23. No, not number twenty-three. It is number twenty. Oh gosh, twenty-one and number twenty-two, if I'm not mistaken. Now, in both the coaches and AP pool, and uh, we are joined by BadgerNation.com's Ben Wargo. And Ben, you know, it's one of those things. One, great, great having you on, obviously, because uh, one, I'm doing some guest writing for BadgerNation.com, which has been quite a lot of fun, especially our our time in in Dallas. And uh, two, it's the first time we've had you on this season. What have you seen? And I've gotten a lot of this from a, from a lot of people that you know. I've been doing some radio spots here and there. People have asked, you know, what do you make of this team so far with with the loss to Alabama, first game of the year? But then, uh, you know, two uh, you know two decent wins, I would say, in terms of the score. Albeit there are a lot of things to work on yet for this young team. Uh, what's your take on this on the Wisconsin Badgers?
2: Yeah, there's still a work in progress, uh, especially on offense. Um, for the passing game to be this far ahead of the running game I think is a little bit disconcerting especially when you have Big Ten play starting next week and it's going to get very very physical with Wisconsin going up against Iowa those games are always a challenge and you need to run the ball effectively in the Big Ten if you want to win championships and I think right now Wisconsin is not running the ball effectively They're, they're putting up good numbers the last two weeks but they're coming against subpar competition competition they likely won't see very much of in the Big Ten so Uh, they've taken baby steps each week. Um, We we obviously knew coming into the season that the offensive line uh, was going to need some time to really gel together. Um, I don't think that they have really figured things out yet um, to a degree. And part of that is because that whole right side of the line continues to be a rotation uh, with Micah Capoy and Walker Williams at right guard with Hayden Beagle and Walker Williams and uh, Jacob Maxwell at right tackle uh, the left side of the line looks, looks pretty good. And I think that, for the most part, Tyler Marks has played has played okay. Uh, Michael Dieter, I think, has played well. Dan Volz, I think, has done a nice job. But that, to me, is, is the one glaring area, uh, the one glaring weakness of this team is um, their running game can be bottled up against a really good team and make them one-dimensional. Uh, and fortunately for Wisconsin, they have a fifth-year quarterback, and Joel Stave, who has started the year very, very strong, and has gotten a lot of wide receivers involved and done some really nice things. And defensively, I think defensively they've done some good things. But, again, um, you look at the level of competition they've played the last two weeks, and while they've been tested, they haven't been tested anywhere close to where they were in the opener. So um, it's going to be hard to kind of figure out how good this team is until they play a really good team. I don't think Hawaii is a really good team, but I think they're a good team, and they'll be able to test Wisconsin in some areas on Saturday night.
1: Now, Ben, so far this season, um, even a little bit in the Alabama game, although that was a tough opponent, this defense seems to be the the unit that sets the tone. As you mentioned, obviously the offensive line trying to figure some things out and the running game trying to figure out some different things as well. So when you look at this, to get back to that, that dominating offensive line that we've seen for almost two decades that we haven't seen in the last couple of years, Obviously, you know it's going to have to be back to the the mindset of how you recruit those players. And maybe Gary Anderson had a different idea of what he wanted that offensive line to look with to look like. But as you go forward and you look at the Big Ten schedule for the Badgers, thankfully a little bit easier goal. But you still have Iowa. You still have Nebraska. Is it going to be defense as you look ahead? That's going to have to set the tone for this team.
2: Yeah, I think so. Um, you you want your defense to be playing very very well and. You look at you know this unit at Wisconsin. I think this could be the best unit from line to secondary that I've seen in my 10 or so years on the beat. Um, I really am a big fan of this secondary. I like these outside linebackers. I actually love these outside linebackers. Joe Schulbert's had an incredible start to his year. Vince Beagle has been very, very steady. Um, what you see is what you get. To me, he's averaging You know, four-and-a-half tackles and a sack-and-a-half, and and that's pretty much what the numbers he's hit in all three games. So his numbers really haven't fluctuated. I think the defensive line is coming along, but it's a young group with a lot of talent. Um, Arthur Goldberg and Chiqui Obashi have done some nice things. I think Connor Shee has had two back-to-back really nice games after really struggling in the opener against Alabama. And I, I like the depth that they're building. I think Derek Tyndall, when he's in there, has done some good things. I'm interested to see what Natrell Jamerson will do in the first half um, with, with Tindall uh, having to sit out for a half because of the targeting penalty that he incurred against Troy. And i like to see what uh, Chris Orr does. I think Chris Orr has done some really good things. He had a really good uh, three quarters against Troy after Leon Jacobs was kicked out because of targeting. And for Chris Orr to get some work with the ones this week leading into the game, you kind of are getting the sense that Chris Orr is going to kind of be a guy that can really master that role and be a multi-year starter for Wisconsin and give them some depth and some stability at that position. So, yeah, the offensive line has taken some hits over the last couple of years. I think since 2012, four offensive line prospects have had to leave the program because of injuries or outside problems, and by outside problems I mean I'm referring to Jaden Galt suffering from depression that unfortunately occurred after you know his high school season was over uh, with some deaths in his family that he's had a hard time getting back from that. So it, no one's really to blame for the offensive line problems. They're just kind of freak injuries and freak problems that have caused some really good young-looking players to um, – and not be involved in the program. And I do give credit to Gary Anderson. Gary Anderson was responsible for recruiting Michael Kapoi, uh, Michael Dieter, both guys who started last week as redshirt freshmen, uh, guys like David Mormon, George Panos. Uh, there's a number of guys in this program right now that Gary Anderson has brought in because that was a main focus the last couple of years to kind of rebuild the depth of the offensive line. And unfortunately for Wisconsin fans who want to see success now, Um, they're gonna have to wait a couple years to see how good these players are once they get their legs under them and get used to the speed of the college game
0: here with BadgerNation.com's ben wargle follow him on twitter at the badger nation and you mentioned uh capoy and i got a chance to watch some of the game film uh up up until maybe about two two and a half quarters yesterday uh, to, to rewind and Uh, It sounds like uh, that, I mean, obviously he was inserted with Walker Williams being injured last week, but uh, what do you think about Micah Kapoy right now? Obviously you mentioned a kid, a native Hawaiian going up against his, going up against, you know, Hawaii. And, but he's really looked, uh, you know, he looked really good obviously against Troy and, and and kick out blocks on on the powers and and pulling along with doing some of the inside outside zone plays. I thought he looked good. Uh, I in your opinion, do you think with with all the injuries that have happened on that offensive line, is it do you think he secured that right guard spot, or are they just waiting to see how he does against Hawaii, who gives up about a 190 yards per game on the ground? Do you think they're gonna do you think he's got the po- spot locked up, or are they waiting to see what he does Saturday under the lights of Camp Randall?
2: Well, I think Saturday would be a great test for him. Um, there certainly will be a lot of butterflies going on with him, uh, like you mentioned. I mean, not only is he from Hawaii. Um, he originally was committed to Hawaii before flipping his commitment to Wisconsin and knows a lot of players on that team playing against them in high school. So it's going to be a special moment for him. Uh, His family is going to be watching back home um, with the, I think, six hour time difference. So it's going to be a a unique experience for him and and one that I think he's going to relish. And certainly here was a kid who started fall camp and he was nowhere on the radar. Um, I, I mean, maybe he was on the radar, but he was a blip, far, far off on the radar, and you slowly watched him during camp, and you could see progress being made, and you could tell, okay, this guy gets it. This guy understands, you know, what he needs to do to be a lineman at the college game, and he was working at center for for a couple weeks or a couple practices, and then they moved him to guard and, and did some really nice things, and then, you know, the only scrimmage of fall camp, which was two weeks before the, the Alabama game, Michael Capoy gets all the reps at left guard and Ray Ball has moved to the second team. And that was kind of the moment where you really took notice of Micah Kapoy because you, because you recognized that the coaching staff had took taken notice of Micah Kapoy and they threw him into the deep end of the pool and see if he could swim. And he stayed afloat and, and did some really good things. And then once, uh, you know, once Ray Ball's injury um, continued to be an issue, uh, once Walker Williams then went down, causing another reshuffling of the line, Michael Kapoy was thrown in there against Miami University, played thirty eight snaps. I thought gave him some really nice confidence. So when he got the start against Troy when Williams went down with the ankle injury, uh Williams was able uh, excuse me, Kapoy was able to step in and, and have some confidence that he could go in, he could do the job and, and play fairly well. So certainly so you don't know what Ray Ball's status is. Uh, we haven't seen him, we haven't heard an update from him. Uh and certainly you would think that Michael Capoy if he plays well again we will get that shot at right guard and then it'll be interesting to see then who will be involved at right tackle. So the sooner they can set a starting five and keep it consistent, I think the better off this offense will be and whether it's Micah Kapoy or someone else, I think that will be uh you know, the final piece of the puzzle, the non conference puzzle is, is on Saturday night.
1: We talked a little bit at the top of uh the segment about, you know, big bringing some of the recruits in. Do you know who some of the uh, the bigger name recruits that are going to be making a trip uh, to Camp Randall this week are?
2: Yeah, this is a this is a huge recruiting weekend, fellas. Um, you look at you look at the different philosophies of the staffs at, at Wisconsin in the last you know handful of years, and what we saw with the the Bielma staff was that they would bring in a lot of their official visitors early in the year, and really try to get them in for those September home games. Not necessarily wasn't against the greatest opponent because they always felt that Camp Randall could sell itself. And then once October came and certainly once November came, you saw the kind of the official visitors start to taper off a little bit. Gary Anderson, didn't matter. Whenever you want to come, you can come. Whether it's you know ninety degrees or whether it's sixty degrees. He wanted kids to come at any point because Camp Randall sells itself. But with this staff, they want to take advantage of this night game. First night game in you know, three years uh, which is really surprising when you hear about it, that they haven't had a home night game since 2012, and ironically, the two head coaches were Brett Bielema and Gary Anderson. Um, <laughs> you, you look at who's coming in this weekend, and it's a really good mix. And they have eight known official visitors coming in. And it's a good mix because four are committed and four are uncommitted. And the four committed guys probably are your four best recruiters in this class in terms of guys who are vocally selling the program, whether it's Uh, through group text, social media, Twitter, whatever. And that is Antonio Williams, uh, the four-star running back from North Carolina, Kari Lyles, three-star quarterback from Scottsdale, Arizona, A.J. Taylor, three-star wide receiver from uh, Missouri, and Dallas Genti, the uh, three-star linebacker from Fort Lauderdale. They're all coming in, and they're going to be working a number of guys extremely hard this weekend. You have three kids coming from Florida, three defensive backs, K.J. Sales uh, from Tampa, the Tampa Bay area, Carlos Becker from Osceola High School, um, and uh, Keyshawn Penniman, a three-star cornerback from Jacksonville. And you also have Garrett Rand, who's a four-star defensive tackle from Chandler, Arizona, who it would be a huge get for this class. Um, I mean, you really don't need more defensive linemen because the defensive line is so young and you already have two in-state kids committed, and Luke Benchwall and Tyler Biedaz. But if a four-star defensive tackle wants to come in and be a part of your program, heck yes, you take them. Um, this is a, would be a huge score for Wisconsin. And um, before you ask me if I think any of these kids are on commitment watch this weekend, um, I know Garrett Rand and Carlos Becker want to take a majority of their official visits. Carlos Becker has official visits scheduled all the way into late December. Um, Garrett Rand has said before that he wants to take a lot of his visits. Um, K.J. Sales would be interesting because I think between uh, all his offers, it's going to be down between Iowa and Wisconsin. And he was at Iowa last weekend. I'll be interested to see if Wisconsin can match that level of environment and atmosphere that Iowa was able to put on last weekend, a tremendous home win over Pittsburgh. Um, I think if anyone commits this weekend, it'd be Penniman. Uh, Penniman told me a couple weeks ago that his top three is still Georgia Southern, Georgia Tech, and Wisconsin. And come on, guys! Georgia Tech and Georgia Southern and Wisconsin—the um, the only thing that would keep him <laughs> keep him close to home uh, to one of those schools is being close to home. But if Wisconsin has a tremendous atmosphere on Saturday night, which I'm assuming they will, and a tremendous game, and everything goes according to plan, Penniman's going to see an opportunity to play in that great atmosphere early because Wisconsin have another cornerback commit in this class and they're losing multiple cornerbacks. After this recruiting, after this upcoming year, um, I think Penniman might be leaning towards Wisconsin uh, in the next couple of days. Don't have any inside information on that. Just call it a hunch.
0: We're here with BadgerNation.com's Ben Wargel, and you know we uh, we haven't spoken in a little bit. Two things uh, you mentioned: Antonio Williams, and it seems like this uh, obviously uh, sounds like a great kid. He plans on enrolling early, starting in January but also just he's tearing up North Carolina. Can you talk a little bit more about Antonio Williams, but also talk a little bit more about recruiting uh, on the basketball side? The the Badgers obviously getting uh recruit last week, I believe it was. Kobe. Was it Kobe King, if I'm not mistaken? Talk to me about uh, both those players. That's a lazy way of saying it. What's the impact of Antonio <laughs> Williams so far? See, I'm picking up things. This is what happens when you've been doing this now for 3 years. Uh, what what's the big uh what have you what do you see out of Antonio Williams and how big and and, and what's the impact of of Kobe King committing to the Badgers basketball team, uh, especially with the head coaching situation in flux?
2: Well, I'll start with Antonio Williams who has been committed since uh, December 4th, um which, you know, just feels like ages ago with the amount of turnover that's happened at Wisconsin. And here's a kid that really never wavered throughout everything that went on. I mean, he committed shortly before uh, Gary Anderson left. And then even after Gary left, he still was firm in his commitment to Wisconsin. This was a kid that was originally committed to North Carolina, too. So, you know, decommitting from a school is not foreign to him. Um, and even after Thomas Brown left and John Settle came in, this was still a kid who really felt comfortable with Wisconsin. Um, you watch him just absolutely tear up North Carolina football, and people ask, well, what kind of teams are he playing against? Well, he doesn't play at the biggest school, North Stanley High School, but his team does play against higher-level competition. I believe they're in Division Three, and they play, have played against teams in Division Two and Division One. and Williams still runs for 300-plus yards and multiple touchdowns. I mean, he's you could tell that he is the team's focal offensive aspect, and with the, the intangibles that he has, it, it's no surprise as to why. Um, very solid player. The only drawback with him is his breakaway speed. Um, we've timed him verified 40 at about 4.73. Uh, that's not the quickest in the world for a tailback, um, something that he'll certainly need to improve upon um, as he gets to the college level. But you know, he's, he's a great kid. He's a great fit for what Wisconsin likes to do with their tailbacks. And I said earlier in the week in a podcast on BadgerNation.com that, you know, someone asked who is the next great running back at Wisconsin, who will that be? And I said, I think it could be Antonio Williams. Um, Not only is he going to enroll early, but there's going to be an opportunity there next year for early playing time. Uh, You know, certainly depending whether Corey Clement stays this year or decides to, you know, roll the dice and go pro early. There will be an opportunity for Antonio Williams to come in and make an impact from day one. And you mentioned Kobe King uh, on the basketball side of things. You know, th- there is flux with Wisconsin basketball. There is an elephant in the room. You don't know when exactly the coaching turnover is going to happen. Many people assumed uh, it was going to be after this season, that 2016 after the tournament run for Wisconsin was done, that Bull Ryan would step aside and then the new head coach, whoever it may be, would step in Well, When Bo made that announcement in the weeks and the months since, you know, Bo has slowly opened the door a little bit more and a little bit more, um, saying that it's a possibility that he could return for more than one or two seasons. So it'll be interesting to see, because that's going to be the storyline throughout this year, what is Bo Ryan going to do. So that's hard to recruit to when there's uncertainty in your program. And, you know, Wisconsin only has one scholarship available for 2016, Uh, which is a good thing with the the flux that they have. But they got four available for 2017. So to get arguably the top player in state for 2017, a very talented shooting guard who's ranked number 96 in the country of all prospects for that class, uh, a four-star recruit, a a guy who's only going to go up in rankings and only going to go up in his skill level in King, is tremendous. It really is, and that's a great thing to have for Wisconsin is a player like that that they can build around and point to to say, you know, look, this kid picked Wisconsin because of the program, of the tradition of winning, uh, because of the facilities, because of the campus, and the coaching aspect was a very small part of it. And the other reason Kobe King is he loves Greg Gard. He's got a great relationship with Greg Gard believes that Greg Gard will be the next head coach at Wisconsin. And if that's the case, Kobe King feels he has an edge up on a lot of kids because his relationship with Gard is so strong. So getting King into the boat early is a very good domino effect for Wisconsin basketball.
1: You know, Ben, real quick, one other note on football. Um, it's good to see, even though a lot of people around here are not big fans of Ohio State, Number one and two in the polls, you got Big Ten schools uh, up top. I think I said it last year. I think the conference is slowly going to start to get deeper. You got coaches like Harbaugh in here now. You got some other programs that are improving, um, but it's just nice to see, even if it's temporary, to see two big, two Big Ten schools sitting atop the poll.
2: Yeah, it's nice to see SEC schools have some egg on their face too. Um, it, it's, <laughs> it's always a good, it's always a good thing because you know, you've heard for years how the Big Ten just continues to, you know, be kind of the the Power Five doormat. And, you know, look at how bad the non-conference season went last year for the Big Ten. I mean, it did not go very well. And then the bowl season happened. And the Big Ten performed very, very well in the bowls, not just Ohio State, but Michigan State coming back to win. Uh, You had Wisconsin winning. You had a number of other Big Ten teams winning bowl games. I, I don't think Of all the bowl games, I don't think the Big Ten was favored in any of them. Maybe just one. It was very, very limited. And the Big Ten came came away, I thought, winners of the bowl season. That's carried over, um, especially with some of the big moves that have been made, Um, especially, you know, Jim Harbaugh coming to Michigan, trying to turn that program around. And uh, I think for the most part, it's been a solid start to Big Ten play for a lot of schools, Um, you know, especially Ohio State, Michigan State, one and two. Uh, It always looks good when – You know, SEC powerhouses lose. Um, You know, Auburn getting some egg on their face. Uh, Our old buddy uh, Brett Bielema getting a lot of egg on his face. I think that's always a lot satisfying to Big Ten fans. Um, So certainly you look at where the Big Ten is right now, it's in a good spot. You see a lot of programs trending upward. I think Wisconsin is starting to trend upward a little bit, Northwestern two impressive wins against power 5 schools Stanford and Northwestern, Iowa, same thing, Iowa State and Pittsburgh. Um there's some good resume building wins on the Big Ten's uh non-conference schedule. And I think that's what's going to make uh, conference play starting next week all that more exciting. That's
0: been Great having you on. Before we let you go, two uh, what are your two two what are yeah What are two quick keys, uh, one on offense, one on defense for the Badgers to win, and what's your prediction for for Saturday night's game?
2: Uh, Offensively, I want to see uh, Joel Stave continue to get a lot of people involved in the passing game. I think Hawaii's passing defense uh, is giving up under 200 passing yards a game. I think they're like 188, something like that. I think they are. So this will be a good test for Wisconsin, especially for Stave, who's throwing for 200 yards, at least 200 yards in three straight games. Um, If Wisconsin can spread the field, get a lot of players involved, um, Erickson, Wheelwright, uh, McAvoy, Trailer, Gumbawale, Watt, I think that's going to just open up the opportunities for the offense. And then I think defensively is uh, can you put consistent pressure on the opposition? They didn't get a big opportunity to do that last week because of, in part, Troy's quick passing attack. But as the game wore on, they became more effective in that in the second half. Uh, so can the defensive line provide adequate pressure on Hawaii's quarterback and the running game to maybe force some errant throws, some quick throws to allow Wisconsin's secondary a chance to make some turnovers? Um, those are my two keys on each side. I think the spread's like 24-and-a-half. Uh, I think I'm going to go with like 35-13, somewhere in there, um, I think that Wisconsin is going to be tested more so than they have the last couple of weeks. And I think that Wisconsin will uh, be able to really build off this game uh, going into big 10 play um, against Iowa on October 3rd. So Wisconsin wins, but I'm, I'm going to say they just barely miss covering the spread.
0: Ben, as always great talking with you. I will see you up in the press box for that game. And, Uh, We'll talk uh, then, and just have a great rest of the week, and uh, we'll see you Saturday.
2: Always good talking to you, fellas. We'll talk to you soon.
0: Yeah, it's Ben Wargle, BadgerNation.com. Make sure you guys follow him on Twitter, at TheBadgerNation. We're going to come back, talk some Packers, talk Packers, Seahawks, uh, and then also talk uh, preview some Kansas City Chiefs action going on Monday night football. Should be a lot of fun. We'll be right back, guys. Welcome back, guys! Kilbasa Kings Sports Extravaganza brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter. Make sure you guys check us out at B5Q on Twitter at Kielbasa Kings WI. We got a shout out actually on the Bobby Kieran Show over on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, Bobby, who is the radio play-by-play voice of the Hawaii Warriors, gave the Kilbasa Kings a shout out uh, when when I was talking with him. So that's that's cool. And uh, guys, welcome back. It's uh, we talked some Badgers with Ben Wargle. Of course, like I said, follow them on Twitter at TheBadgerNation. And now we turn from the college game to the pro game and two night games this week, this week for the Badgers and the Packers. You have Saturday night, obviously, 7 o'clock kickoff. We will see that on Big Ten Network where the Badgers, number 21 in coaches, number 22 in AP, take on the Hawaii Warriors. But you will also see on Monday night you will have the Green Bay Packers taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. And, Scotty, before we even get to that game Badger or the Packers played under the lights on Sunday night on NBC and came away with a victory against the Seattle Seahawks, 27-17. And obviously, it doesn't take away or it doesn't bring back the, or revenge, in my opinion, the loss on, and the sting of the NFC Championship game that happened in January. But it's nice to see, despite Brian Bulaga being out, despite the fact Eddie Lacy went out with an ankle injury, and you're without Jordy Nelson and Sam Barrington. It You had a great defensive line effort against a banged-up Seahawks offense, and you saw Aaron Rodgers do what he does best, and, and it produced a victory for, for the Packers.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I will caution this. Uh, the Packers are getting dangerously close to where they were a couple of years ago where it seems like they were losing key players every week. Um, now, obviously, the Lacey injury, not... Deemed to be too serious, and, uh, you know, we'll see how that ends up going, if he plays Monday or not, too early to tell. Belaga's out a few more weeks. Some tough games in between now and then. Um, Barrington obviously lost for the – I know that they're, this is a deep roster. I, I believe this is a very deep roster. At the same time, you've got to be careful, you know, if you're the Packers and you can't sustain many more injuries. Now, that said, big win. You hit on it. It certainly doesn't avenge losing an NFC championship game. However, it was a big win for them, and, you know, I'm not a homer, okay? You know that. Yep. Uh, So when I I make this next comment, this has nothing to do with the fact that he's beaten the Packers the last three or four times. I absolutely loathe Pete Carroll. I think he's a phony. I think he's disingenuous. I think his rah-rah screaming... Uh, you know, lunacy on the sidelines. I I just, I can't stand him. I can't stomach him. I couldn't stomach him at USC. Um, so, it's always nice to see him lose and his team struggling. I still think they're good. Cam Chancellor signing today, getting back in camp. We're well, not signing, but ending his holdout, gets back in camp. You know, they're still going to be there in the end. I really believe that, but it's still nice to, to beat them. And I, I loved his whining about the Fumble, the simultaneous uh, possession rule, when it's funny how hypocritical it is, if you recall, it was a simultaneous possession that went uh, the way of his team uh, a couple of years back in the Phil Mary play, but now in this time, you know, it was obviously a bad call. I just can't stomach him. So, good to see him lose. Uh, they'll beat the Bears uh, probably very soundly this week, and then everybody will say, see, they needed Cam Chancellor back. Cam Chancellor's, they don't need Cam Chancellor to beat the Bears, but in, in the long run, good signing for them, but great win for the Packers and great atmosphere and a weird schedule, too. They go Sunday night, Monday night, back to back. Later on this year, they have back to back Thursday night games, which I don't remember the last time that's ever happened for an NFL team. So some weird scheduling quirks. This is the first one of those against the Kansas City team, who's good, who's physical, yep. who lost a heartbreaker. Because they couldn't uh, hold on to the football. I mean, five turnovers. They lose to Denver, and it was very, very fluky. Uh, Denver ends up uh, winning the game. Denver is two and zero, despite the fact Peyton Manning is looked pedestrian at best. Um, but Kansas City's angry, and they they're coming into Green Bay and are going to try to to get a victory. Meanwhile, Green Bay continues to defend their home turf as they did so well last year. Um, it's gonna be a tough game. If Lacey plays, I think the Packers win. Starks is a decent backup, but I think if, if if you don't have Lacey, it could be a tough one. We'll talk about predictions in a little bit. But good to beat Seattle but onwards to uh Kansas City to a uh a tough team and then after that you got San Francisco who has the Packers number despite some of the other things and the schedule schedule's no really to me there's nothing easy on the schedule this year take it one game at a time and this next home game is uh, the next focus for this team.
0: And, and that's, you know, you look at back at the game real quick too. You saw a great effort by J. Ron Elliott that we I mean, referenced the, the interception and then the fumble, but then he also had that forced fumble at the end of the game, uh, still hustling, which is a, a play you want to see every player make with going that extra mile and stripping Fred Jackson, the ball to seal the game essentially late. And, it, I'm just happy to see the fact that you have the defense stepping up big. Obviously, Marshawn Lynch only uh, was held, I think, under 50 yards rushing on the after on the evening. Uh, Russell Wilson did the most damage, passed for over 200 also ran for almost 80 and but that's what you expect and they did change up some things Seattle went more with the read option to, in the second half they tried to establish the run with Marshawn Lynch in the beginning of the game and, and you saw a great effort by BJ Raji uh, I thought that that was one you know, a lot of people have said i you heard it on the media that it's been his probably his best game as a Packer outside of 2010 maybe that NFC Championship game uh, where he intercepted it took it in for the, the, the pick six uh, on his end in that Super Bowl winning year but it was nice to to see the way that the team after they should have been up by far far much more the way they pl- played seattle in that first half seattle comes back they take the lead and then you know it was 17 uh yeah, 17 13 and then the packers uh just roll up uh you know they roll up just the the touchdowns and and they're and basically ran away with it so uh it, it's good to see the packers Take hold of that, and you mentioned with the Chiefs, and, and it's going to be a Chiefs team that's heading into Lambeau Field, and a team that really, you mentioned it—they—they they give up the game-tying touchdown, and they gave up two touchdowns on both sides of the ball with uh, essentially nine in nine seconds, and, and at home, and that's. I'm sure they're looking their wounds, but they have a great defense. And Alex Smith is a very efficient quarterback, and you have a a quarterback whisperer type coach in Andy Reid, a West Coast disciple, obviously, underneath Mike Holmgren. But it's. I'm intrigued to see how the defense does. And obviously, you know, you mentioned that Balaga's still out, that they will be challenging that offensive line. And and Lacey, they don't believe it's serious per media reports, but, but, you know, it. Obviously, whenever you have Aaron Rodgers, though, I think that's the ultimate X factor, right, Scotty? You have that. Uh, the fact that you saw that dart of a touchdown pass to, to James Jones, uh, which just shows you how special this quarterback is. And I guess, do you feel people uh, take Aaron Rodgers for granted? just I mean, obviously off the field, it's one thing, and we didn't even address the, the comments he made after the game. But uh, just his on the field is how special he is with those throws and making those plays.
1: Um, Yeah, actually. I think uh, in Green Bay, some people take him for granted because when he was cutting his teeth and showing what a great player he could be, there were still some people who wanted to dislike him because of the Brett Favre saga. Now, that's all water under the bridge now, I think, for most Packer fans. But there's three quarterbacks that can make up for deficiencies, you know, for injuries or for anything else. I think, well, maybe just two now, but Rodgers um, is one of them. Peyton Manning, when he before this year, when he was in his prime, and Tom Brady. I think those guys can make up for, you know, being a light at some other positions or being weak on defense or having some injuries. As um, a very special player, and I think Packer fans at some point, if they don't already realize it, will look back and then say, "Boy, were we blessed, man? I mean." To go from Favre to Aaron Rodgers seamlessly, you're talking about 25, likely 25 years or more, uh, you know, 20, or maybe 30 years of of, of elite quarterback. Some teams, they're lucky if they can get three years out of 30 years where they have an elite quarterback. So, but yeah, I think to answer your question, yeah, I think it gets taken for granted a little bit. Um because I think he does cover up and has, and, and will continue to cover up weaknesses uh, on this roster.
0: Yeah. And, you know, you look at this, the, the, the schedule you mentioned going forward, obviously after Kansas city, they go on the road against San Francisco, but then they face a, a Rams team, which is hard to figure out by the way. Let me just say that they, they go on, they beat Seattle in overtime. Then they go out and they, they lay an egg against the Redskins. Uh, and that's, that confused me because I, I mean, like I said, I pegged St. Louis to be second in in the in the NFC West. Um, but yeah, and but lucky they have the Rams and San Diego. Melvin Gordon's return to his home state uh, on the 18th of October. So they really, I mean, they play was it one, two, three. They play uh, four of their first six games at home, and we'll see how that uh, turns out for for their record, especially with the injuries that are at hand, especially with Bulaga. I mean, hopefully that helps out uh, on that end. But uh, your keys to the game against Kansas City, and, and what are your predictions?
1: Well, two things. Um, Jamal Charles is a special back. He really is. He um, hope the Packers can do what they did last week against the run. Travis Kelsey is match a matchup problem for any team. Uh, the Packers have been beaten by good tight ends, which even baffles me more how he was. Jimmy Graham was ignored in the Seattle uh, uh, offense on, on Sunday because, again, another matchup problem, I and mean, a guy who's dominated the Packers when he was in New Orleans. Right? But whatever, good hey, good for the Seattle Seahawks, and, and that's for the Daryl Bevel, the beleaguered Daryl Bevel to figure out. But if they can contain Kelsey, they have a shot. I will make a prediction before I predict win or loss and what the score is. A wide receiver for the first time in 19 games will catch a touchdown for the Kansas City Chiefs this week. Wait, what was that? The Kansas City Chiefs have not had a wide receiver catch a touchdown in 19 games. I don't know if you realize Jeez. this. Or
0: not. I heard um, about that.
1: Yeah, so I think that streak will end this week, maybe just because it has to. I mean, at, at some point it has to, right? I mean um, – At some point. So I do yeah, I agree. Yeah, so I don't know if it'll be Macklin or if it'll be someone else, but there will be a wide receiver touchdown for Kansas City this week for the first time in 19 games. So.
0: Wow. Wow. But no, yeah, I agree. I mean, yeah, making sure. I mean, obviously Seattle didn't utilize Jimmy Graham as well. Uh, maybe he thought uh, against the Packers, especially with just the the – issues at inside linebacker which I think Clay Matthews did really well I think Nate Palmer did admirably in, in place of Barrington we'll see what what Kelsey does we'll see how that passing game opens up obviously signing Macklin in the off season and and you know if they can keep Jamal Charles bottled up or contain him I think they're looking they're looking good I I I think the Packers win I think it's a hard game though I think it's uh I'll say I'll say 28-24 Packers uh, come away with a win and uh and they improve uh, to three and zero on the year uh, on their way to San Francisco.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good prediction. By the way, as I look ahead, or as I look at the stats here, only twelve receptions so far through two games from wide receivers. Ouch. Yeah, they've got. Uh, 12 from their uh, tight ends. They've got 9, 12, 13 from their running backs. So, anyway, wide receiver, obviously not a primary focus. You know, I think the Packers can win this game. Again, if Lacey plays, I think they win this game 27-24. If Lacey doesn't play, I think they lose 27-24. So, that, that's kind of my prediction on that. Uh, but The Chiefs are a team, though, Um that have always given the Packers historically problems. Um, I remember a Monday night game, I don't know, you might be too young to remember this, but um, where they got embarrassed at Lambeau um, on a Monday night. By Kansas City Chiefs team that was good, but the Packers were a, a better team. Um, and here's a stat that you'll you're, you're find very interesting. The Chiefs have never lost at Lambeau Field.
0: Wow. No, I saw a Packer report just reported that too. Uh, uh, BadgerNation dot com's uh, cousins that cover the Packers, uh, Ben Huber or yeah Bill Huber, yeah three and zero at Lambeau Field. That's crazy.
1: Yeah, and I I kind of thought I knew that they're they're three zero and one, but I kind of thought I knew that, and I wanted to go back and and take a look at that to make sure. And uh, sure enough, I was right because I, 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 I kind of thought that was the case. Um, they lost in in. Uh, uh, in the last seven meetings, the Chiefs have only lost once, and that was in 2007. If you remember, the Chiefs beat the Packers the year that they were trying to be perfect.
0: Uh, that's right, yeah. The- yeah, at Kansas City. That was the game that Marshall Newhouse was. Uh, I know on social media you saw a lot of that, but, yeah, that was the first game where, uh, yeah, that's uh, they got in his case for a lot, for just kind of being a turnstile uh, against that Kansas City uh, defensive line.
1: Yeah, and that was in 2011, right after Kansas City fired Todd Haley. Kyle Orton beat the Packers. So I don't know how. I mean, I know better in Vegas and people like that really look into those numbers, but it's interesting. Seven three and one Kansas City is all time. Three zero and one at Lambeau. So wow. So there we go.
0: The more you know. The more you know. On that note, got a dupe of the week or anything before uh, we we take it home.
1: You know, I didn't give it a whole lot of thought. I, you know, I think I've, I have got to do a better job at this segment because there's so many of them. It seems like on a weekly basis that I tend to, um, that I so I'll give you one. Uh, it it it's, it's not the biggest dupe of the week, but it is in some ways because it's a it's something that I really really that really bothers me that I really really worry about. So Jamal Anderson was arrested for a DUI for the second time in 10 months. Um, Jamal Anderson, former running back and I have a real problem with drunk driving and uh, I guess for lack of digging too deep for some of the other things um, I'm going to make him the dupe of the week. However, can I go outside of sports for a minute? Absolutely. Okay, so I'll tell you who the real dupe of the week is to me and you may or may not know who who Martin uh, Scherkelli Sch- 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 yep. is? Okay. He recently, uh, he's a former hedge fund guy who recently bought a drug company, and uh, the price of the drug for people take for HIV, he raised from overnight from 1350 a pill to $750 a pill. And thinks it's great and thinks it's funny. Um, and says he'll do this again with other drug companies that might be for heart disease or for whatever else it is. And um, I just, I I don't understand, like, I understand capitalism, and and I tend to be financially, when it comes to stuff like this, lean to the right, man, lean to the left a little more on social issues. I just can't, I I can't understand. I can't get my arms wrapped around this as much as I believe in, in the free market and capitalism. This is just, it, it's sick and there's just something, there's just something that, that really bothers me about this practice and I know it's, I know legally he can do it and morally he probably could give two uh, rear ends about what people think, but there's just something inherently evil about it and um, I, I think that this man is, is evil and is a special place in hell that's going to be carved out for him when when his time is up and i think he's going to uh, spend eternity in this very special place this very special corner house and that's where he belongs so there you go <laughs> uh, i
0: i i've tr- i've tried to read up on it and uh, i obviously i'm still i'm not uh, I, I tried listening to the reasoning, reading, reading the reasoning. And I'm 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 still shocked by it, and obviously, but you don't jump a, a drug that high. And obviously, I don't know a lot about pharmaceutical distribution or whatnot, or or the obviously, but uh, anytime you you spike a price that high, uh, and and just it, the way he's coming off too is not what you would like. No, it, 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 just you know, it, yeah.
1: It, it, it. The thing that bothers me is I understand that some people are sitting at home and go, well, the insurance companies will. Okay. Sure, but then what happens to insurance premiums? I mean, in the end, we are in the end, even people who don't need this drug pay the price if you think about it, because the more insurance companies have to pay out in their premiums to cover prescription medication, the higher the premiums are going to be either to the individual to the person who's using the Affordable Health Care Act, or to the person who's getting insurance benefits to work. In the end, that price is still going to get passed on to you and to me. So as much as it was evil and awful that people who need this drug are going to suffer, it's even an added bonus, not nearly as much as those, or the ones, imagine the people who are uninsured who are paying out of pocket. My goodness. But, In the end, he's not only sticking it to the people who need it the most, but in in a big way to them, but in a small way, he's sticking it to everybody because in the end, you think insurance companies ever absorb the cost of that? No. It's just like any business. The merchants don't absorb the cost. The cost gets passed on to everybody else. So in an already clouded world that's ruled by insurance companies and, and, and some of the crap that goes on there, it just got worse overnight
0: thanks to this clown, yeah uh, I, I like I said it, yeah it's
1: yeah,
0: i i I find it crazy that this that this can happen so quickly, so uh hopefully things get re- resolved there on that note uh, we're wrapping up the show by the way, we've got ten minutes before we go off air. Thanks for listening to us guys. uh you'll hear more a little bit afterwards after the podcast. This is the Kilbasa King sports extravaganza, and uh, Scotty just have safe travels down to. Florida Uh, safe travels Uh, driving down there going through the Carolinas enjoy time with the family and the poolside and we will talk with you when you get back obviously we'll have a lot to talk about as well Badgers starting Big Ten play Packers will be underneath two night games uh, and heading to San Francisco and obviously baseball wrapping up playoffs will be starting shortly
1: yeah, and I'm looking forward to getting a chance to delve into some of that. And we'll do a show while I'm in Florida. We'll just have to figure out a date and a time because I want to talk about the Packers game, the Monday night game, and, and all the other stuff going on. So hopefully uh, we'll have an idea before the weekend when we're going to get together. But obviously we'd have to wait. I, I'd like to wait have the Packers play. Then we've got a complete wrap-up of everything that happened this weekend. So uh, maybe Tuesday, Wednesday, next week, whatever you think works.
0: Sounds good to me. Sounds good to me. And thank you guys for listening. Big thanks to Ben Wargle. BadgerNation.com. Make sure you guys follow him, of course, on Twitter at the Badger Nation. Follow Scotty at ScottWizNusk2. Follow me at JakeCocoB5Q. Uh, big thanks to ESPN uh, Hawaii, ESPN Honolulu for having me on their shows. Uh, Josh Frasheco, Bobby Kieran earlier this week. Uh, big thanks to them. Let me get my feet wet uh, on the, on the uh, Mahalo, as we say, uh, or as they say in Hawaii. So thank you guys there. Uh, we'll check you guys out Obviously, coming up next week, we'll review Badgers in Hawaii. Preview the big Iowa game coming up, and then obviously Packers Chiefs. Will the Packers be three and zero as they head off to San Francisco to face someone that they, uh, a team that they haven't had the best success against in recent years? So guys, take care. This is the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter. Accordion Solo American Polka, played by Mr. John J. Kimball, Edison Records. <laughs>